CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello and welcome to Gen Z. Gen Z is Generation Crypto. These are the people who were raised on a different philosophy on how they look at money, how they look at identity, how they look at privacy, and how they reimagine their relationships with the communities and companies they interact with. I am Sam Ewan from Coindesk. And as always, our co-host is Avery Akinini from Vayner3. How's it going, Avery? It is going so well. Awesome to be here, Sam. And thanks everybody for tuning in. We will normally have guests on Gen Z. And, you know, the intention is that we have these amazing guests that you guys get to hear from. We thought that it would be interesting for this episode to really focus on a trend that's happening in the Web3 space, and especially as it relates to both Web2 and Web3 brands. And it's something that really began in earnest about two years ago, but last year kind of went nuts. There felt like there was a Web3 conference every week. You know, whether you see it at a conference like Coindesk's Consensus, which has been around for nine or 10 years, whether you see it at VCon with Avery and Gary working on, whether we see it at NFT NYC, whether we see it at ETH Denver, whether you see it at multiple events in Lisbon, in London, in Paris. There's an event right after this with Ledger called Open in Paris. People are just clamoring for ways to get communities together. And the great thing about Web3 is, you know, these communities form online in places like Discord and Telegram. But then the idea of being able to sort of see someone in real life, give them a hug, is something that I think is really exciting. And especially when you tie that to the idea of art, right? Because art, and we're down here for Art Basel, which is why we want to talk about this specifically, but art has always had passion communities who connect via collectorship. The idea that if two people both own a Warhol, they're in a club that says we both own Warhol. And brands have paid attention to that because they also know that art experiences bring people with a lot of money. But also these days, and in our social world, there's a tremendous amount of money. A lot of folks who are very influential in the space. And then there's a lot of brands, both Web3 and Web2, who are trying to kind of vie for their attention. And so we thought that doing a dedicated episode specifically on kind of IRL events and using Art Basel as the canvas for that would be worth talking about because it is really a direct marketing strategy that we're seeing being employed by Web2 companies and Web3 companies alike. And we're pretty excited to talk about that. It's been a wild week. I'm assuming you've gotten as little sleep as I have this week here down in Miami. We are both here for Art Basel. Avery does live in Miami and is a big champion of the city. Actually, Avery, why are you such a big champion of the city? So I'm about 18 months into being a Miami resident. And with every growing day, I love it more and more. 
was one of those pandemic transplants. Like many folks moved to Miami, you know, during the pandemic, wasn't sure how long we would stay here. But over the past months, I've really started to love it. And one of the reasons that I was attracted to Miami was the convergence of Web3 and this sort of new world of crypto, um, very apt for Gen C. <laughs> so I was really interested in the culture that was sort of building here. I think Miami is the unofficial crypto capital or unofficial Web3 capital at least of the United States, if not of the world. I know we've got some contenders in you know, places like Lisbon and Japan and other spots. But yeah, I love it. I think it's a really amazing city. It's a city that's in the sort of verge of change. I think Mayor Suarez has been a catalyst for that change for many years. And we're really starting to see that kind of crystallize. And as we move into 2023, actually, Gary Vee just announced that Vayner is opening a bigger and more significant official office in Miami. So we are big believers in the city. Let's go, Gary Vee. I love that. So we're in Miami right now for Art Basel. This is my fourth Art Basel. I'm not sure how many it's been for you. But, you know, I think what we've seen over the last sort of three years or so is kind of the NFT and Web3 ecosystem creeping in to Art Basel, amongst many other events like South by Southwest and CES and some of these other ones. But I'm sort of interested in hearing and having a discussion with you on what feels like a fairly natural integration between the Web3 space and Art Basel. And then what also feels like a kind of disconnect from what's happening in the macro crypto space and also what's happening at Art Basel. So first, you know, we just would love to sort of get your sense of how's your art Basel going? What are you excited about? What have you seen that's been inspiring you? You know, and then we'll just like talk about some specifics and spend this episode really understanding the intersection between also live events and Web3, which is so important. Yeah, so I've been to Art Basel several times as a normal art collector. And the last two years in a professional capacity where we as Vayner have hosted different events and done different activations with our partners to support different things that they're working on. And if we look back at 2021, Art Basel was sort of peak NFT bull run. There were a lot of projects dropping during that week, a lot of record-breaking prices happening during this week, and a lot of attempted cross-pollination with the traditional art collection world. We fast forward to this year, and I think we're seeing more thoughtful activations that are oftentimes like more intentional, less so focused on pure commercialization and pure you know, macro whales, and more so focused on bringing people together to celebrate art and culture and, you know, meeting up in a place like Miami. So what I saw this week was so many different partners and brands and creators activating, sometimes solo, but also as a collective. And I thought that was really cool. I think we saw that from places like NFT Now, The Gateway, and even you know, on a smaller scale, things like Better Together with The Hundreds and Dead Fellas co-hosting party together. We also saw this at our event, which was V at Scope Beach, where we hosted our event actually at a major art fair, took it over for a day and brought in a bunch of brand partners and programming and talent into a place that already exists versus, you know, everyone sort of trying to do their own things in their own silos. So I thought that was an, kind of an interesting thing to see this year. And I think just our Basel continues to be a place that really matters to culture. And, you know, where culture goes, brands always follow. So we saw a lot of brand activations this year, probably more so than we've seen in previous years. And we've even seen sort of marketing institutions and organizations, folks like Brand Innovators and Patel, starting to host more official programming at Art Basel, which is sort of a new thing. Like, I feel like maybe we're moving a little away from things like CES and a little bit more to things like Art Basel. There were parts of Art Basel that were, you know, sort of designed for brand marketers and brand leaders. 
that felt very much like can where we're seeing, you know, people get together and talk about marketing and talk about creativity and good new ideas, you know, while they're on the beach and sipping a glass of Sancerre. So Sam, I know you've been to a million cans and CESs and the like. What was sort of your take on what you saw this year during Miami Art Week? Which is, by the way, what it is officially called. I know it's anecdotally referred to as Art Basel, but Art Basel is just one of the many fairs that they have during Miami Art Week. Well, I think it's been a really, really interesting week. I got to say that I've tried to visit as much as I can because I really want to get the kind of entire landscape of what's happening. And there's some big things that have popped up for me. The first is one thing that you were mentioning, you know, the fact that you had your event at Scope this year. So for anyone who doesn't know, Miami Art Week is a ton of different events. There's Art Basel, which is the biggest. There's the Scope Art Fair, which is also giant and kind of right next door. There's a design show. And then there's a million sort of other events that pop up around it that generally support different artists, different galleries and also different brands and activations and opportunities. And that's something that we see very commonly at a lot of different events, like CES, like South by Southwest, like a consensus. But last year when I was here, I noticed that there was about a three-hour evening party at Scope that was focused on Web3. And that was the only thing that was happening at the big tents. This year, just the fact that Avery Yu and Gary were able to sort of help bring a kind of large event into the Scope uh, tent itself, because so many people are interested in what's happening in the Web3 space, that it's become more mainstream content for the typical art buyer and the sort of art fan. Not only that, we've seen the Archive Collection, which is a decentralized curatorial collection that's done a partnership with Art Basel itself as well. And they're kind of one of the anchor properties within Art Basel. And so the fact that we're seeing this stuff show up, Christie's came big this year. And they partnered with NFT Now, a Web3 native property, to bring a giant show as part of what's called the gateway. So there's a lot more integration that's happening currently with kind of the mainstreaming of artists and Web3 into the art experience of Art Basel. And I've never seen it like this before in all the years that I've been here. So I think that's one trend I'm seeing. Another one I think is really fascinating is all the big brands that are showing up at Art Basel, but that are showing up in Web3 ways, right? So we have Porsche, we have Johnny Walker, we have Dolce Gabbana, we have Meta, we have Time Magazine, all who are doing very Web3 forward events here, working with artists, propping up artists, like sort of highlighting them and their collections, creating their own artistic experiences that are sort of token gated and become something where the NFT communities and the kind of Web3 aficionados get to sort of experience these brands. I've never seen that level yet within a kind of major mainstream festival of art, of traditional brands leaning into Web3. And I think that's pretty fascinating. And then alongside that, we're seeing the big brands within the Web3 space, Coinbase, MoonPay, OpenSea, Near Protocol, all these folks coming in and saying, hey, this is where not only are these folks that are sort of on the forefront of influence, they're also on the forefront of affluence, and they're people who others follow to say, what are the trends that I should be involved with? So you are seeing this really interesting hybridization of large-scale Web3 brands and large-scale Web2 brands coming together in a single location and actually vying for the same audiences. And that's something that I think is the first time I've sort of seen that here, and I think that's just a fascinating place to be. Mm -hmm. 
Join Coindesk's Consensus 2023, where Web3 meets IRL, happening April 26th through 28th in Austin, Texas. Consensus is the industry's only event bringing together all sides of crypto, Web3, and the metaverse. Immerse yourself in all that blockchain technology has to offer marketers, advertisers, brand leaders, creators, builders, founders, entrepreneurs, and more. Avery, I know we always try to avoid the word fidgetal. So I'm going to say I'm seeing a lot of digital, physical experiences happening here within the Web3 space. So it could be anything from what's happening with NFT Now's The Gateway, where every storefront is a Web3 property, whether it's Artbox or the hundreds that are coming together to give an IRL experience for their holders, or it's something like Thank UX, right, who has done this amazing digital art piece that also the holders of each get a piece of the physical canvas he made. And he's showing the canvases here. Actually, the hotel I'm staying at at Wynwood is where his experience is. But then after, they're going to cut them all up and each canvas is cut up into 100 pieces and given to collectors. So there's a lot of really just interesting intersection with, between the physical and the digital this year that's sort of more art forward. And I would just love your thoughts on like what's happening in this physical moment. You said the P word, so we've talked about that, Sam. Um, Apologies. I think we've seen a lot of digital twin, maturity past the digital twin, right? Like a year ago, that was something that people were very interested in is, okay, there's a digital version of a physical thing that you might actually have. And I think that's sort of accepted now as something that might have use cases, but hasn't quite taken off. I think when you get into the art world is where we see much more interesting sort of connections Thank you, X, being an incredible example. But, you know, that also reminds me a little bit of the Damien Hirst project, just without the element of burning it, right? Where you had the opportunity to either keep the piece or keep the NFT, and you had to choose which one you were burning. The currency was that project. And I think Thank You, X has sort of a new dimension and flavor. And that's a great example as well of an artist who continues to build in this space and innovate and do so successfully, even during a little bit of a downturn in terms of overall art collection. So major shout out to him. I think what I have seen happening recently is a push into doing something like new and different. I was just at a really interesting panel with Super Rare Labs and Art Republic. And they were talking about bringing more traditional art collectors into this world of digital through like really innovative digital work. Like there was this one really cool piece where it was reacting to sort of the physical person in front of it. And that was sort of a new thing. I know Super Rare is doing some really cool stuff there. From my personal standpoint, we haven't seen anything majorly breakthrough. This Art Basel that was completely different and oh my God, wow. It seems like a nice continuation of things that we've seen in the past like year or so. It's interesting that digital artists are really known for pixels, right? They're not known for paint. You have an artist like Tyler Hobbs. You have an artist like Seneca, who was the original designer for the Board Ape Yacht Club, both of whom are showing physical work here, right? So there is a gallery structure that is trying to say, hey guys, there's a legitimate movement happening in crypto art, but not only can you own a digital piece, you can actually own a physical, and these might be some of the first physicals from some of these artists that years from now, we're gonna look back and say, I was there then, right? So Tyler Hobbs, for example, Tyler Hobbs's Fidenza series, his floor prices are about 100 ETH, right? We're talking about $120,000 in today's dollars. But I can go right now and buy a canvas of his, which is a very low edition canvas for $8,000, right? So to me, that's a really interesting thing, right? The, the idea that his physical work, you might be getting in early for him on the physical side, even though you might be late to the digital side. 
You know, and then you look at someone like Seneca. Seneca is known very much for her digital work with the Board A Got Club. She's also an amazing artist in her own right. But her most valuable or sort of her highest price piece right now that's being bid on, which has bids, is her physical painting. And so artists, I think, are starting to see that sort of natural collectors are hearing some buzz and they're starting to pay attention to that. Is that also something you're seeing? Absolutely. I think that we're seeing some crossover there. And also a lot of artists who are well-known in the Web3 world Perhaps they're known for one specific style that caught on in the NFT world, but they might be multidisciplinary artists. Like if you look at someone like a Beeple, right? Like his style is very iconic, but you look at other artists who might be, you know, digital artists, sculptors, painters, sort of all in one. And I saw a lot of that exhibited this week. You know, Meta brought a bunch of digital artists together, but a lot of those digital artists are not only exclusively digital artists. They do different types of mediums as well. And that's exactly what you're talking about is this crossover from digital to physical and also crossover in terms of styles, right? Like maybe an artist did one particular style for an NFT PFP collection that might've done really well, but they have capabilities to do things that are totally different. And I think traditional art collectors also seek that type of diversity and some of the really like patronage that they have with their top artists. So we're seeing a little bit of that, which I really love is seeing different styles coming out of renowned artists in our web through world. And Art Basel is a great place to kind of push those boundaries. And I think one thing that was huge, it's a little bit of a buzzword, which we hate, but there was a lot of immersive art, like installations that were like multi-sensory. And that was really cool. The Faena has a great exhibit going on right now. There's so much of that at a lot of the exhibits that existed in these sort of Web3 ecosystems. Scope had a ton of them as well. But it's interesting because immersive art has been around for 20 years, right? Sound installations, video installations, all of that stuff. And it's always sort of played at festivals like Freeze or at Basel. But I think to your point, like that you have these artists who are creative code first, right? Which is the way I think of a lot of the crypto artists who are now starting to say, what can I do with sound? What can I do with music? I had an amazing conversation with the always entertaining and amazing Ed Balloon last night. And like you talk to Ed and Ed himself is such a pure artist and is so passionate about the space. And I was having him explain to Michael Casey, who's our chief content officer, about his project. And he's like, well, I started with puppets, and then I did stop motion, and then I did voices, and then I did music, and then I did sounds. When you think about that, that's traditional immersive art. Now, Ed's work right now is in NFTs, but you could easily see Ed taking over an entire room and creating something amazing. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that from the crypto art crowd, and I'm super excited about that. You also mentioned the activation side. So I think we should talk about that for a second. First off, Avery, you threw in a fantastic party yesterday. We love coming to Scope and seeing you and just all of our friends. But also, I just honestly was so excited that in a traditional art experience, having the mayor and Gary, you know, talking about why this movement was so exciting or having someone like Fonz from Token Proof talking about like what makes something easier to access for a larger community. That stuff is really exciting to me. And there is a lot of great content happening in NFT stages, like with NFT Now and The Gateway, which is a fantastic experience. But I just get goosebumps when I think of that stuff happening at Art Basel and at Scope. I mean, that just feels exciting to me. What about you? One of the reasons that we wanted to host our event at Scope was exactly what you just mentioned, Sam. It's this idea of you know bringing the Web3 world and traditional brands into a space that's known for pioneering a lot of different contemporary art. So we were really thrilled to partner with Alexis and his team from Scope to put in some installations, some of which were sort of a crossover between brands and artists, host different people, leverage their beautiful stage and space, mixing art and the Web3 world together, literally. And we had a lot of people who became a little bit more aware of what's happening in the world of Web3 because 
you know, they're art collectors, they're interested in this stuff, and we wanted them to feel welcome. And we also thought it'd be a very iconic location. So we did it there intentionally. And I think it was really fun. I also think it's, you know, we see a lot of the Web3 sort of activations happening more on the mainland Florida than on the beach. We see a lot of Wynwood. Even NFT Now is the gateway. It was actually done in the downtown Miami district. We see a lot of Brickle. So it was nice to bring it to like where the fairs, like literally right in South Beach was kind of fun. Some activations that have stood out to me though, for one, I'll just say the elephant in the room, there are way too many Web3 conferences. And you know, seeing really amazing speakers and panelists show up to rooms that are pretty empty, I think is indicative of the fact that there's too many of these going on. And I believe in the next, like if we look at Art Basel next year, we'll probably see fewer, bigger, better conferences versus, you know, trying to bring the same audience to so many different locations. And a few of the events that have stood out to me were actually more intimate and small where people actually get a chance to mix and mingle with a curated group of people versus, you know, stand in line for two hours to get into a party. Though there's plenty of that at Art Basel in any major cultural event. Any of the small, intimate events that you like or any of the big ones? Well, great question. I mean, one, the worst thing about Art Basel is the traffic. Oh, it's horrible. To your point, you know, and for anyone who's never been, you know, Miami is bifurcated by water, right? So you have South Beach and South Beach is a beautiful and amazing and very vibrant place. And then you have kind of Miami Beach and the rest of the mainland. And it's all connected by two or three roads. And when you have this many people in a location, it's tough. And it's why South by Southwest, doing it in Austin really makes sense. You know, you can walk everywhere and you don't have to worry about grabbing Ubers that are going to take an hour to get three miles. So just saying that, I agree that I'm excited that there is more happening on both sides of the water. But it also gives major FOMO because once you leave your hotel, you're gone for the day. You know, you don't have time to do anything else. Great that you talk about intimate events. I mean, we at Coindesk, we've been running an event here that we call School Lunch. School Lunch is a partnership with us. It's All Ships, which is a creative collective, and it's Near Protocol, who are some great friends of ours. We kind of decided, instead of fighting for all the parties that people are doing at night, I was like, let's create the first stop, which is just inviting amazing artists, collectors, builders, media and brand types together and saying, just meet each other. All we want them to do is to sort of hang out, get to know each other very low key, no panels, nothing like that. Just make it intimate. And those have been fantastic. And people have said they're less substantive because actually the ability to sort of meet and say, how do we can collab together? That's happening in the room. So we are really excited about kind of the intimate stuff. With that said, I think that there are some great, great experiences happening. I did spend some time with NFT Now at the Gateway and really impressed with what they put on. I thought it was great. I think, you know, we need more and more people to understand that crypto art is art. We need to stop saying crypto art like myself. You know, and I think that's really important. We'll get there. And then I think, you know, I mean, I know the Doodles have something and I saw a DJ in Arcade yesterday that Haritos is doing. Like, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff that's fun and exciting here that I think is great. And again, just the opportunity for both Web3 brands and Web2 brands playing in Web3 to have like hangouts for their audience is super special. Of course, we're also seeing Doja Cat and we're seeing James Blake and we're seeing Kate Trinata and all the big music artists are coming out. So music is always a big part of these events. And I'm super excited, although I really don't like waiting in lines. But, you know, I was at the MoonPay event last night. And MoonPay has really taken over a lot of the sort of events happening here, right? They're part of Beyond Basel. They're part of NFT Now's The Gateway. They had their own events. They're sponsoring a lot of smaller side events. And I think it's like they're aggressively going towards an art crowd. And I think this is a perfect audience for them. The one thing I want to ask you about is when you think of the macro of what's going on crypto, right? Crypto prices are down. NFT prices are down. Artists are having a harder time. We know what's going on with the kind of larger, you know, realities of, you know, both what happened earlier with Voyager and Three Arrows and then with, with FTX. 
is this a time to be sort of throwing money into the air and saying, let's just all party together? And I just wonder if there's a little bit of a cognitive dissonance happening that, you know, there's kind of like the everything fine meme where the room's on fire, but you're just smiling. Like, is that what's going on in Art Basel right now? I think what you just said is what a lot of mainstream observers might think. You know, prices might be down really sharply year over year, and yet we have some of these Web3 native companies spending extravagantly and doing some really amazing parties and activations. And I think there's two different ways to think about it. One is, you know, is this everything fine meme where, you know, we're trying to sort of show strength even during a bear market? And second, is this actually designed to onboard a new group of users? From my experience at some of these parties, I think a lot of the same people go to a lot of them where they're already very into the world of crypto. They might be a creator or you know have a protocol or have a platform that they're building and trying to sell people. And there's a lot of those people who are already super aware. I think the opportunity is really to bring in more people into the space and to do more crossover events beyond who's already familiar with the world of crypto. And I think you know we've seen more traditional brands do more dabbles you have really big brands, everything from the fashion companies, Prada is doing a big thing here, Dolce & Gabbana is doing a big thing here, that are doing sort of small crossovers into the NFT world. We even had the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile come down and do meetups with Web3 communities. But they're at a much smaller scale than what we see from the Web3 native brands who are you know, doing some pretty big parties and activations. I think time will tell how it all shakes out, but the opportunity is to break into a new crowd versus farming the same crowd, from my experience. And I also want to kind of you know, dial into your idea of being the first stop. Today, there was actually this Red Bull creator brunch. And it's one of those things you wonder if people are going to come. Everybody was there on the dot of time. Artists actually got to draw on a Red Bull Mini Cooper, which is now cruising around Miami. And it was very, very well attended. I think you're right. I think that's the alpha. Everyone gets invited to a million Basel dinners, but nobody gets invited to Basel brunches. I went to a really fun one with Instagram too. Same thing. Everyone came. Everyone was on time and loving and taking pictures. I think that might be the alpha is not trying to compete at night, but rather do a really fun brunch or lunch or daytime activation so you can get people before schedules and traffic get the better of them. Yeah, that's an old technique in my experiential years that we used to do, which was create new opportunities instead of trying to steal people away from others. The Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile going to Web3 community meetups is so fun. Like, because there's no one who does not love that vehicle when it shows up. There's no possible way you don't see it and you don't smile. It's so great. So I mean, like props for making that happen because I think that's such a good thing. And also just talk about like true art kitsch, like that vehicle, everybody knows it. So like, there's no way it does not just make people happy. I'm really excited that that's happening. I think it's been like 86 years that they've had the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. And to me, it kind of reminds me of like an art car. There's obviously the like one very obvious branding of it. But second, it's kind of like an art car at Burning Man where it's almost just so ridiculous. They're saying is it's wonderfully odd. And I think that's the perfect way to put it. This year, they actually like wrapped it in a special design that says meetups. And there's a giant QR on it where if you scan it, you can claim a free wiener whistle, which is kind of ridiculous and wonderfully odd. It's true. Going back to what you said earlier, I totally agree. Way before crypto, Art Basel has always been a place where people with money, people with influence, people with star power get together and it's infectious, right? You go in and suddenly you're like, I've never spent more than $500 on a piece of art, but I'm going to spend 5,000 because everyone seems to really like X, right? And that's how you often onboard people into the art world. So I think you're spot on with thinking about it of how do we get more people into the ecosystem? And on the flip side, 
right? Like Portia, Portia showed up at the gateway. And if I'm Portia and I say, look at all these people who have some crypto money right now, how do we steal Lambo's fire, right? And let's come in because some of those people are going to buy a Porsche. And I think that's also something to think about. And I've been saying this for years and I'm going to give like a little head nod to Airbnb and to Delta and every other airline out there. Like crypto and crypto native people travel all the time. They are constantly booking houses, booking hotels. They're buying watches. They're buying jewelry. They're buying fashion. And they are flying and renting cars everywhere. So the fact that they have not been targeted that much by the Airbnbs of the world and the Delta Airlines of the world is just shocking to me because these are people who index high in net worth. They index high in spendable income. They index high in wellness and all of the things around that. But it feels like finally people are starting to wake up that these people actually have money and have influence and they're not just DGENs. There are DGENs here, but there's a lot of folks that are sort of wonderful brand ambassadors for the future of culture. And I think that's something that just is really exciting to me. I think you're spot on. And I think that's why we see luxury brands starting these sort of small and intentional pilots here. We've got the, you know, Nikes and the Gucci's and the Dolce & Gabbana's. And, you know, at this week at Art Basel, we see the Adidas, we see the Johnny Walkers, we see the Porsches leaning in and trying to connect with this audience as well. I think they're really identifying this group of people as the sort of new luxury consumer, the crypto luxuries. It's a small segment, but it's one that matters if you're a luxury brand. And you know, your targeting is kind of in that realm anyway. So I think that it makes a lot of sense. Where I think it's harder is the mainstream brands trying to find their footing, the brands that appeal to everyone and trying to create something that's accessible, but also fun. I saw quite a few mainstream brands doing things here too. Even like Cheetos just did an activation that wasn't Web3 native, but it was at Art Basel. There's two sides of Art Basel, right? There's the side that's like very luxury, like you said, it's been the history of our Basel, but where we're moving to is a place of just broad cultural relevance. Potentially how we saw South by Southwest originally be very much for techies, and now it's moved to this place of sort of broad cultural relevance. I think we're in the middle of that transition for our Basel. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. I actually think that that's part of the theme that you and I have been talking about over the weeks, right? Which is that we are seeing this decoupling of financial speculation crypto and technological innovation crypto. And those are two very different things. And if I'm a brand, I'm very like scared and wary of financial speculation crypto. If I'm a brand, I'm extremely interested in technological innovation crypto, right? And what blockchain can enable in terms of ownership and creatorship and all of that kind of stuff. And so I think we're seeing real world examples of that. It doesn't mean to your point, like Claire's isn't coming in and like opening up, you know, a mall jewelry shop. So just to compound on that, you know, what we're seeing with Haritos, what we're seeing with Oscar Mayer Wiener and the Wienermobile. What we're seeing just with some of these like basic brands that just want to attract an audience that they know have loyalty and have passion and have money and being able to do so through a connected experience. At the Doritos experience, when you get to the end, there's a film that features a board ape, right? So they recognize that folks that like sugary drinks might also own board apes. And like, why not try to cater to them? They're influential. They'll, you know, be able to talk about it and share it. And it feels like it's a space for them. It's a great way of thinking about how Web 2 comes to Web 3 in many different waves, right? We are in the ocean, so I guess the wave analogy is good. There's these big tidal waves, and then there are these sort of like slow and steady small waves that just continually push us a little, little farther down the beach. I think to wrap up is one story that to me, and I think this affects someone you and I both know and love well, but the fact that this past week, Keith Grossman from Time Magazine, president of Time for three and a half years, decided to go full DGEN 
and he's coming on to MoonPay, which really is a both a creator minting platform, but really it's a financial rails platform, right? They're trying to get more and more people into the ecosystem utilizing financial systems. And that Keith decided to join as the president of their enterprise group, to me says, I mean, there's been no one who has been more and more bullish on Web3 coming from the Web2 world, right? Keith was at Wired and he was at Bloomberg and he was at Time Magazine after three and a half years. And here he is sort of packing that away and coming in to MoonPay, which is a very Web3 crypto native company. I mean, to me, there's no better signifier of someone who's just committed to say, even with a multi-decade career, I'm ready to make this the thing because this is the future. So, you know, we've talked about the inevitability of Web3. Like, what do you think Keith's coming to MoonPay means for our industry? Keith has been such a proponent of Web3 for, you know, at least the last year and a half and probably a little bit longer. And he has really shown that it's possible to take a legacy brand and create relevance for it by leveraging Web3 technology and by building a community. I think timepieces pioneered that and is often used as an example in other publications and media companies. It's also been clear to anyone who's been sort of following Keith's career that he's always into what's next. Like Keith brought a lot of sort of mainstream publications into the digital realm, brought them into social, and now he's bringing them into this world of Web3. So it makes so much sense that Keith is joining a company like MoonPay to help them navigate how to work with enterprise organizations and make those sort of transitions that are important. I think it's a win-win for both sides. It's amazing for MoonPay to have a real adult in the room with Keith, who has done this before with you know Web 1 and Web 2. And it's amazing for Keith because I think MoonPay, we were just talking about it, right? Like They've done a great job with branding. And they've done a great job creating relevance and a brand name for themselves in a market that's pretty crowded because there's a lot of competition. MoonPay stands out, as particularly what they did with the celebrities and the PFPs. I think that concierge service got a lot of early love and they've maintained that through relevance, through things like the artist in residence program, through their parties. I can't wait to see what Keith does. And you know, I think a lot of the brands who are listening to this and taking the time to engage, MoonPay has probably already approached them. MoonPay is very active in discussing with brands. It makes a lot of sense for brands, the way that they have their model set up to be turnkey and simple. And I think we're going to see Keith as an addition to the executive team at MoonPay really help them enter their next phase of growth. Absolutely. So just to recap, I mean, I don't know about you. I feel like I've gotten four hours of sleep over the last week. I have two more days here. And, you know, so I think the last thing I want to leave with and I want you to also close the show with is I think it's a great time to be looking at the expansive opportunities of blockchain, even if we're a little sort of gun shy of the opportunities of financial crypto right now. You know, we know it all comes back. That's going to take a while. But I'm feeling very enthused and bullish on sort of how people are embracing these technologies and these artists and these creators and these collectors in ways that make it feel like it's becoming more and more adapted into a mainstream approach. And that just gets me excited. It makes me feel like just good. What are your sort of final takeaways about Art Basel? Okay, three major takeaways about Art Basel 2022. One, everyone is coming to Art Basel, whether you are Oscar Mayer or Prada or Baron Davis or Kay Trinata, everyone is coming to Art Basel. And it's crossed over from this niche luxury consumer into a slightly more mass, broader, culturally relevant consumer base. Second takeaway is that blockchain-based 
enterprises are playing a bigger and bigger role. We talked about MoonPay. We talked about what's happening with Coinbase. We've talked about so many of these sort of blockchain companies doing really cool stuff. What you guys are doing is Coindesk. Blockchain-based companies are playing a role here. And then third, the power is in the crossover. In I think every sort of really standout activation event, experience, piece of art that I saw had some element of a really strong crossover. So those are my three key takeaways. What are your three, Sam? We'll put you on the spot. My final takeaways are one is that art always sort of rises, right? Like you can't keep art down, even if the financial value of ETH or of Flow or of Tezos or any of these things are down, that art finds a way to survive and artists find more opportunities to exist. I will give a 10 second shout out to Logic. Logic is an amazing artist. He's a timepiece artist. I met him at the time party. But the thing about Logic is he was a creative director at Google for years. And he decided two months ago to go full on as an artist. He left what I assume was a very well-paying, very secure job at Google to come into the world of art, but art through a Web3 perspective, right? So art finds a way, I think is number one. Number two, I think you nailed it, which is that like the crossover is the key. And I think that is such an important insight. And I really thank you for saying that because I'm going to steal it. But the fact is like the crossover of low brands, high brands, sort of low money, high money. All of those things coming together in Art Basel is really important. And I think that we're seeing a moment in the crypto life cycle that may be one we point back to and say, this was a particular moment that we were there for. And then the final thing is, and I think you also mentioned this, is that there are too many Web3 things, right? Too many conferences, too many meetups, too many concerts, too many of this. But what you see at something like Art Basel, what you see at South by Southwest, what you see at Consensus is we want this to be all about the future of business, the future of relationships, the future of commerce, and the future of culture. And I think we don't need 75 of those, right? We need 10 amazing ones around the world that we can all go to and have those be places where we all sort of find out what's next, what's new, and where we meet each other. And I think that this is something that is really being embraced by the Web3 community because we live so much of our lives digitally, is that a place where you can come, see people, put a face to a name. I've had so much of that this time. I'm just really sort of, again, very hopeful that this is creating a new modal for us. With that, I think we can wrap it up. What do you think? Always love chatting to you, Sam. I'm super excited for a school lunch now. Got to go check it out while I'm here. And thank you for everybody for tuning in. If there's any special guests you want to hear from, let us know. We're very open taking new senior marketing guests if you know anyone who's interested. See y'all soon. Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details.